0: You are listening to Agency Work, the podcast that provides career advice for people who want to work at a creative agency. I'm your host, Parker Playstead. Today, I'm talking with Doug, who has a YouTube channel with his wife, Stacy, and the channel is called Off Grid with Doug and Stacy. I worked with Doug on marketing projects when I was the director of marketing for a company that makes roofing material for shelters and clear polycarbonate panels for greenhouses. Doug was one of five influencers I worked with. So in this episode, I will be talking about working with influencers, and Doug will be talking about the relationships he has developed with several companies. We have Doug on the phone. Doug, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, Parker, and thanks for having me.
0: Glad to have you on the phone. So I want to start our conversation with the background of what you're doing on your 11-acre farm in Missouri. You're, you're off-grid, you've got this 11-acre farm that you and Stacy moved to several years ago. Give us a, a picture of what's going on with that farm, all the animals and everything you've got going on there.
1: We basically had left city life about eight years ago with no experience in any of this agrarian lifestyle, and we did buy 11 acres, and now we raise most of our own food, our meat, we also collect rainwater, and we gravity feed it into a log cabin that we built. And we also have a pond that's stocked with fish. We do honeybees. So basically we're trying to create a closed loop system where we can self-sustain ourselves right here on our property.
0: Right, so you've got uh, all these animals. You've got the sheep, you've got the chickens, and the turkeys, and the guineas, and the ducks. You've got the lake with the fish. um, you got the honeybees. We got some horses. Got a couple of horses. And we ride the
1: horse and buggy, saddle horse, right.
0: Yeah. And you've built all these uh, structures. So there's uh, maybe one or two structures on the property when you bought it, but you built your house. And we'll s- start with that. Talk about building your house.
1: So, yeah, we had built, uh, bought this property. It did have one building on it, a large pole barn, which we have used uh, to actually capture the rainwater for us, which worked out really well. And I built a log cabin that's still around six hundred little less square feet out of wood from the forest with no carpentry skills.
0: Yeah. And it's a it's an impressive house. I mean, it's well made. And so you've It's still standing. It's still standard. <laughs> well you I mean you say you have no carpentry skills, but anybody who watches your videos will see that you've got some pretty good carpentry skills and some pretty good construction skills. You now, maybe you've learned that over time, but you're pretty good at putting stuff together. Yeah. And you've been. Yeah, I
1: mean, basically, basically most people are seeing, you know, six or seven or eight years into it. But when we first got out here, I mean, I was basically in sales my whole life and never really did any, um, you know, work like that carpentry work, plumbing, electrical, and all that stuff. So since we've gotten out here, I've had to take matters into my own hand because there's only two ways you can do it you can do it yourself or you can pay people to do it for you.
0: So you did it yourself. So you built a log cabin. You built the outdoor kitchen, and it was around that time that you and I connected, and you built the uh, greenhouse. You've built some other smaller shelters, you know, doghouse and uh, some other shelters. And now you're working on a project that's a root cellar, storm shelter and teaching center. And so that's you know, one of your latest build projects.
1: I would probably say it's our most ambitious build yet. We did the ICF um, in the root cellar, which is uh, insulated concrete forms, which is going to maintain a nice temperature down there so we can store all the food that we grow um, in our root cellar down there. And it also sort of serves as a tornado shelter. It's all concrete. It's a concrete box. And it uh, was, was a pretty good project. And then on top of that, we're going to build a solar-powered workshop, We do live off-grid, but for the last eight years, we've had no solar power, wind turbines, or anything like that. So we'll be getting where you actually have that project underway. We have a couple walls up, and uh, we look to be completing it sometime in May.
0: That's cool. Now, uh, the title, Off-Grid with Doug and Stacey, uh, some people think that's uh, kind of interesting that you have a YouTube channel, but you're off-grid. So you don't have uh, municipal utilities But you've obviously got some batteries, and you've talked about how you can charge things off the car battery. You know, uh, there are various ways to get electricity to operate your cameras, your phones, and other uh, things, tools on the property where you need electricity. So you've got this YouTube channel you put together. You're recording videos. You're putting them out there, uh, multiple videos a week. And you're sharing with people what you're doing on the homestead, so you know you tune into one of these episodes, it'll be a particular project you're working on uh might be something in the garden with you and Stacy might be you working on building something, might be you fixing something in the wintertime. things can freeze, and you've had to fix some things there's videos of you uh managing your animals, your sheeps, your ducks, your chickens, and so on. There's videos of you guys going on field trips. I think it's called Field Trip Friday. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. We like to take field trips outside of the property because we do try to showcase the whole lifestyle and we try to target home-based or family-owned businesses in our area um, just because we believe in you know buying American and supporting the community. And uh, we've really found that that's resonated well with our audience because they like to see you know, family businesses and made-in-America products. And uh, it, it it is fun for us as well because we always learn a little something too.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when we connected a few years ago, you were working on the greenhouse and you were working on the outdoor kitchen. And I was working for this company that made roofing material and the polycarbonate panels that were popular for greenhouses. And when I saw your videos... I saw a very authentic uh, opportunity for me to work with an influencer. You were building things. You were on a farm that was was, uh, in line with our uh, buyer personas, our market segments. We were uh, selling our roofing material to rural communities. Uh, Somebody might have a one or two acre farm up to several acres. And so you were right in line with our target audience or target customer. So it made a lot of sense for me to partner with you to provide our materials to you and then you used those materials in your building projects. You talked about the materials, you showed uh, you, you got video of you installing the materials, giving some installation tips. It was great, it was very authentic use of the products uh, with the helpful tips that you provided during the videos. So I want to emphasize in our conversation today to the audience that the important part here was how authentic Doug was and his alignment with the market segment that I was going after to promote the products. So the authenticity was very important. And when we got started, Doug, do you remember what your audience size was on YouTube? Do you remember how many followers you had at that time?
1: Oh, I, would, I think maybe around 50, 60 thousand.
0: Yeah, that's that sounds what I remember. And you're now you're pushing what two hundred and seventy thousand?
1: Our actual reach is about half a million right now. We have a uh, two hundred and sixty thousand following us on YouTube. Another two hundred plus thousand following us on Facebook. We just actually started our Facebook venture in twenty eighteen, and um, it's resonated well there. And then also we have Instagram and Twitter.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And I follow you on YouTube and Instagram. Sorry, I don't follow you much on Facebook or Twitter, but uh, I do keep up with you on uh, Instagram and YouTube. So he's grown over time, and I wasn't too concerned about the audience he had at the time we got started that wasn't the most important thing to me. And I think that's something that marketing people get a little too hung up on from the history of how you approach advertising. You know, The typical metrics in advertising are reach and frequency. So what's the reach and what's the frequency of reaching the audience? I felt it was more important to get authentic people involved as influencers and work with them and see how they uh, grow their audience. So, again, main takeaway is authenticity, and I hope you're getting a sense from uh, the conversation here about how authentic Doug is. I mean, when you watch the videos, he's living the off-grid life every day and all the challenges of the off-grid life every day, taking care of his animals, taking care of his garden. Uh, recently they had some snowstorms, and you, and you know, life comes at you in, in unpredictable ways. So, Doug, I want them to get a little more sense of the challenges of living an off-grid life. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, the ups and downs of living off-grid.
1: Well, I mean, uh, you know, it's kind of hard for people to kind of wrap their heads around. It would be hard for us, too, if you told us eight years ago we'd be living, uh, you know, in a log cabin in the Midwest with no power, solar, wind, turbines, nothing, gravity-fed water, no public utilities. We probably wouldn't have believed you, but... Yeah, sure, it comes with challenges, but it's also very rewarding. Um, We have to take things kind of into our own hands because we want to be responsible for ourselves. So we handle everything from, you know, our our, um, toilets, you know, the composting toilets, um, the rainwater catchment. You know, we've uh, actually the first several years we were here, we were working our um, water systems with uh, one-gallon jugs and five-gallon buckets. And that gave me uh, some time to kind of evaluate which way we wanted to go with the water situation. Do we want to put in a well, which in our area runs, you know, $15,000, $25,000 with no guarantee of hitting water? Um, were we going to, uh, you know, do some other type of uh, collection system? So by the time that I had a little uh, room there to breathe and uh, we were able to put together a system that's gravity fed, we've never ran out of water and it's been working out really well for us. But, you know, just the challenges in that alone, um, because we live in a four seasons climate, we get to zero and negative temperatures, and we have a pretty robust and long winter. So the first uh, year or two with that system, it was a, a battle. It's above ground, and it was kind of a battle to keep it thawed out. And uh, since last year, I was able to insulate the whole room in there, which is in turn has created a situation where we don't have to worry about it freezing anymore and everything's been working good. Uh there's always challenges um, on this lifestyle, but the longer uh, that we're here, the easier that it gets. And once all of our systems are in place, then it really works out well.
0: And what I've noticed in the videos is you're taking people along uh, on you know your day-to-day life, right? So it's a, a way for them to tune in and learn things from you. Your uh, videos are very educational, sharing what you're learning. Uh, and sharing how you're doing things, right? So even the composting toilet uh, videos have been interesting on how all that works. Um, So, you know, in your water catchment system, explaining how that works. And the garden is one of the areas I like. You've built some raised beds. You've also got a back to Eden garden in there. You've got the greenhouse so uh, I think it's kind of fun for people to watch you and Stacy work in the garden, planting the, the vegetables and everything that you plant in the garden, and then harvesting and seeing what you get out of the garden. So I think that's another interesting part. And Stacy, as I know, is working on a cookbook uh, to share her insights on the food you guys are eating and how you're preparing it. Another series of videos you did was around the sun oven, so you did, did some stuff with us, but the Sun Oven Company was a company you partnered with and did a lot of videos showing how to cook with a Sun Oven. Can you tell us a little bit more about that relationship?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, we had never heard of anything like that. Of course, living on grid, you have your stoves, your electricity, your gas all at your fingertips. Um, and then when we got out here, we discovered that there is a thing called the All-American Sun Oven, and that actually cooks with the sun, so you just put your food in there, you can go about your day, and when you come back, your food is cooked it 's r- kind of a really awesome thing. I think that 's one of the first companies that we have actually ever really worked with um, and as far as uh, you know showing how to use the product, how to store it, how to there 's many different ways to use it, so we try to cover all those different ways and that 's one of the things about uh, influencer type marketing is because when the person with the product puts it in the hands of the person using it, and they can document and show how that's being used, I think that's a lot more powerful than maybe a print ad or something on the radio because it's 3D. You know, they can see it in action. They can, you know, we do point out faults and flaws with things that we are using if there are any, uh, but we also are really good at showcasing what a benefit the products are.
0: Yeah. And I learned some things from watching those videos with you guys in the sun oven um, now, I you know, remember as a Boy Scout, you know, learning the concept of solar cooking, but that's uh, Sun Oven's a pretty nice product, and you guys showcased it really well. And and from what I think I heard, you helped the company with their sales, that their sales increased as a result of working with you guys.
1: Yeah, I believe uh, he has worked with uh, other influencers, but we have sold more Sun Ovens than anybody ever. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that goes to your um conversation about authenticity right i mean uh, a person that's living in the city sure it's a great item for them to have and they'll use it occasionally but for us in the summertime it almost became a necessity because we can't use our wood cook stove which is our traditional way of cooking in the summertime because we do reach temperatures of over 100 degrees and high humidity so we'll be cooking outside most of the summer. And we also, that's why we built the outdoor kitchen. So we can have several different ways in case it's raining outside, we can't use the All-American Sun Oven. Then we can fall back onto more traditional methods that cost money, which would be like an LP gas system.
0: Right. So, as we started working together, you invited me out to uh, the Baker Creek Seed Company and their spring planting festival. And it was around this time of year, it was late April, early May. And so I came out to the festival, you, you were guest speakers, you and Stacy, and you were gonna have a table there at one of the tents and there were a bunch of vendors. So part of this festival is bringing a bunch of vendors in, onto the Baker Creek Seed uh, Company's grounds. And it's kind of a a spring festival fun event. A lot of families show up with their kids, uh, vendors selling a variety of products that's uh, relevant to that audience. So I came out and I was gonna be presenting my products with some product literature and so on. And I was at your table and you guys went in to give one of your talks. And as soon as you guys finished, I saw a flood of people come out to your table. I mean, it was kind of amazing, all of these people who were in that tent, that they they made a beeline for your table with all the other vendors around. You had a swarm of people around who wanted to talk to you, and you guys had a fermenting kit that you'd been talking about. They wanted to know more about the fermenting kit. Uh, they were interested in talking with me about my roofing materials and the polycarbonate panels but that's when I saw how you really had a strong following and I saw your ability to connect with them. And as we've uh, worked together, and and we're gonna talk about this a little farther into the conversation, but we went around the country and and went to a variety of uh, shows and I've seen some of the other celebrities who show up at these things and you guys have a really authentic connection with the audience. You know, some of these other celebrities are kinda of like, yeah, 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 leave me alone. Um <laughs> you know. But you guys, you're right in there with the the followers that you call your homestead homies, and they come out and they love connecting and talking with you, and you are very genuine and talking with them. So that's when it clicked for me that, okay, I I want to do more with Doug and Stacy. So We had a conversation about it, and I was getting ready to do the Mother Earth News fairs around the country. And so Mother Earth News is a a publication, a magazine, and they have these fairs every year around the country. So we made a deal to go around the country. We went to Vermont. We went to Oregon. We went to Pennsylvania and then finished up in Kansas and did all these Mother Earth News fairs. And you guys went along with me. And you guys brought in people to the table, uh, you know, where I was showing my products. I never would have gotten the audience at these events that I got with you guys there. And, uh, And there were people who talked about having driven five hours to come see you guys at these events. So I, I, you know, I've been talking a long time. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Doug. Talk about your experience going to these fairs and connecting with uh, you know, the people who are watching your videos.
1: So I guess uh, if, you're, if you're a business person and maybe you're thinking about doing influence uh, kind of marketing, I would suggest that not only are you looking at the reach that the person has that you want to work with, but I would spend a little time on their social media. How do they interact with the? clients, you know, the customers, the end users of their material, because we we'll, we know a lot of people that put up material and then never comment to a single person. And that's where you're going to run into this disconnect when they're actually out in public, like you were just speaking of, versus uh, people like us, my wife and I, Stacey, uh, we're very dedicated and passionate about teaching. And so we really, if you go to any one of our videos and anywhere on social media, you're going to see us commenting and interacting with our people because that is that's the bread and butter. That's what is important to us is making that connection. So definitely spend some time if you're looking at an influencer, get to know their social media, see if they're responding to people on their YouTube videos or Facebook posts, or are they just kind of doing the dump and run? Because you you'll find that you will get some bang for your buck there, but it's not going to be that kind of connection that Parker is speaking of in this interview because we really are connected with our audience and they are, they are dedicated, you know, that's basically, you know, it's the, the tribe mentality. We found our tribe. They believe in what we're doing. They support what we're doing. And so when we bring them a recommendation, we also just don't do um, things just because there's money involved or just because of anything else. We want to make sure that it provides value for our lifestyle and what we're trying to do. And also for the person that might get it, we want to make sure that it's a good product. That they're when they purchase that product, that they're gonna you know love it and say, wow, Douglas Stacy really turned me on to something good that's useful for me.
0: Yeah, and when we went around the country, you had already built the greenhouse and the outdoor kitchen, and you were able to talk about the product because you'd actually used it. And so when people had installation questions or other you know basic questions around the product, you had some experience that you could speak to those questions authentically because you had your own insight from working with the material, so that was important I think, um, go ahead, yeah,
1: and I think a, a quote that I heard was that we actually knew more about the product than a bunch of the salespeople actually working for the company at the time
0: yes yes uh, you guys <laughs> yeah you, you guys were a great spokesperson or spokespeople, however you say it um at these events, and uh, and very engaging. I mean, both of you were very engaging at the uh, at the booth where we had our material, and uh, people loved coming up and talking with you. And then, as we've talked about, at some of these events, you can go to a any fair, and if the booth is dead. Nobody wants to go to a dead booth. You know, if if there's nobody around a a booth, then it's a big turnoff. Nobody wants to go over there. So having some activity and some excitement around your booth attracts more people to say, hey, what's going on over there?
1: Yeah, I mean, how many many times when we were at those events did we see vendors and even large corporation-type vendors like sitting in chairs, not doing anything, not standing up, not approaching the people? So that's the kind of thing, you know, we definitely want to avoid because the whole idea when you go to these things is to talk about the products, you know, uh, explain how they work and drum up a little bit of enthusiasm.
0: Right. Exactly right. We did see uh, these representatives, representatives at other booths that were just sitting around. And, you know, they weren't engaging with people, and they they weren't really attracting anybody to their booths, uh, partly because they were so disinterested looking at their booth themselves. So, right. So we had a great time going around the country, and you guys uh, delivered for me on that deal of, you know, bringing you guys along with me. Getting the attention at the booths um and it also gave me an opportunity, right as you brought people in, it gave me an opportunity to talk to them, get feedback, and you know the voice of the customer kind of research right i I wanted we found people who had used our products, so we had some feedback from users who said, "Oh yeah, I've used that, and we could get some feedback on what they liked and didn't like. And then you know I could ask people, you know, okay, if you didn't use our product, what did you use? In most cases, it was corrugated metal or something like that. Um, so I could get some insight on why they chose other products. So it was a great market research opportunity for me uh, yeah. to go around with you guys and go to these fairs. So again, the authenticity of all of this is the important part. All right, so the next thing I wanna talk about is As Doug uh, met more and more companies and they got to see his videos and kind of go through the same process I went through of, okay, is this guy legit? Um, He started bringing on more companies that he worked with. So can you talk about there was um, the Elderberry guy and and there's some other companies. So uh, I'd like you to kind of mention some of the other companies that you've worked with.
1: I mean, you know, we really strive hard to work with the family type businesses, also uh, corporations that are, you know, in line with kind of our vision and and what we believe in. And so we've teamed up with we don't we just basically promote like the elderberry guy, like you said, for nothing, just because we believe in what he's doing. And, um, you know, we want to we want to get behind him, And it's called River Hills Harvest. And they're the largest elderberry um, juice makers in North America. And it's right here in our home state of Missouri. We also work with, again, we've named the All-American Sun Oven. Uh, Mason Tops is a fermenting kit. Uh, We are fermenters. We don't really can a lot of the stuff that we bring out of the garden for storage. We actually ferment it. It's an ancient way of preserving your food from one season to the next. So that was a a great team uh, relationship with uh, Mason Tops. Uh, because, you know, we use their product and we believed in it. And, um, and we actually asked us to stop talking about it for a while because we sold out of the mason tops and they, they didn't have any to sell people. And the website was, you know, really busy. So um, we also have worked with uh, a few other companies, um, you, uh, you and when you were doing the roofing and the Tough text panels. And um, but we, we do get inundated with a lot of requests, but we're very particular on working with folks. So right now um, the solar system um, is something that we're working on right now. And then what I'll do is put that system together and then discuss how it's working before I even unveil it, the name of it or anything else to people because I just want to make sure that the products are sound before we actually tell them to go out and buy it because when we stand behind something, it's our reputation and on the line. And so we're very careful on the products that we use. We want to test them, make sure they're good to go unfortunately with like the solar power setup we're doing that in real time so people are going to be able to see how that functions and works real time and so i don't want them to you know some people might fall on that in the early stages and run out and buy it and we want to try to avoid that so we we do take some precautions in this real-time atmosphere that we're doing but um in the long run if it's a good product it's going to stand the test of time and that's actually better for the company also uh, we're working with a sawmill company right now uh, one of my passions and, and what I would like to do is actually build log cabin kits uh, for people that don't have a lot of money that want to live this kind of lifestyle. Um, we found that the log homes bring value as a residence. They're a good thermal insulation. Uh, they do last a long time. There's little or no maintenance, so it has a lot of good benefits from it. It's all natural. You keep a lot of the chemicals out of your house. You know, we're big holistic, um, evergreen, tree hugger types. And um, so we just, you know, we work with a handful of people. We're not really interested in the whole world working with us, but we also work with uh, a company that's uh, made in America. They build um, LogOx is another company, a family-run company. We use their stuff. Um, It helps us bring the wood out of the forest so we can heat with wood. We also work with um, a log splitter company that's right here in Missouri, and we use that machine to also process our firewood. So a lot of the stuff that we use is definitely – Um, things that we want to promote, uh, because that's part of this whole lifestyle. And it also gives us a chance to really show it in use, real time, for the end user.
0: And, and that's another aspect of this is you're an authentic user of these things, right? You're not just uh, promoting something that, you know, is kind of a casual fit. You're actually using these things as part of your lifestyle. So that uh, is another important part of this, that you really only connect with companies if it makes sense for you to actually use their products, right?
1: That's correct. I mean, if we can't um, use it and apply it to our lifestyle, you know, as we're trying to um, teach people how to scale back a little bit if you will it would just be hypocritical of us to just take everything that came our way and if we don't even use it you know or if we just use it one or two times just to display it so we can make a buck um, that's far off of our radar you know we're not really interested in doing that we're really interested in um, working with people uh, that we use their product and that we feel can benefit the community at large and I think and you know you could do the research but I would say that that's going to provide you much more sales abilities and, uh, you know, truth of the matter when it comes to it versus someone who just hot shots through a bunch of things. And, uh, you know, they're not really using it or even doing any follow-up about it. I've seen people actually take products, put them in use right away, say how great they are. The product fails and they never mention that to the end user, their audience. They just kind of sweep it under the rug and hope anybody doesn't talk about it. So, you know that's another thing to watch out for if you're an advertiser listening to this podcast today that you can get some value from is that you want to make sure that the product is sound and that the people use it all the way through and so just like I was speaking about the solar panel setup and the solar system we're going to put in you know you would understand fully that we wouldn't want to display your name and then have some big problem with the system and then that would really tarnish your relationship as well right because then you would You know, maybe it was something you could fix or maybe the next model could be improved on and now but your name has been soiled just because of that. So it's a win-win for everybody uh, to show a good functioning product and even telling if there are some bad things so they can be fixed and addressed and then fixed for a future model or the next thing coming out.
0: Right. And again, that goes back to the voice of the customer. Uh, When I was talking about the trade shows, you being a customer of these things, you can give authentic feedback to the companies like you did for me and help the companies understand their products better, strengths and weaknesses, where there might be opportunities for improvement and then maybe even opportunities that the uh, company may not have thought about where, oh, this could be a fit for this opportunity that maybe you didn't even think about. Right. So working with end, end users who are out there doing things, it's a great market research opportunity. So another aspect of this, and I kind of alluded to this at the beginning, is I focused on finding authentic influencers, people who were in an authentic situation to use my products. And I wasn't too concerned about uh, what their reach was. And some of them grew substantially in their reach. Three of them grew substantially, including Doug reach, and so there was uh, future value uh, to come from the early days of investing in all this. Um, A couple of them, yeah, they didn't go very far, but my strategy for them kind of early on was to get traffic to my website or to our YouTube channel and drive people over to see these authentic applications. So I would drive traffic to them. Uh, Since they were producing great content for me, I was happy to drive content to them so people could see and learn from those videos um, for those other influencers. So there were two aspects of it. But I was very happy to see how three of these uh, people grew their audience. And that kind of was another benefit over time from working with them. And that leads me to the next topic of Doug and how smart he's been in expanding his audience. So the field trip Fridays and the partnerships that he's done and you know, going with me to the Mother Earth news fairs and promoting meet and greets at these events where he's going to be, all of that has helped grow his audience. The partnerships with uh, local companies. Uh, I think there's a, a pottery company in Hannibal that you guys have uh, done a field trip and kind of promoted Uh, showcase them because they're a good local company right that's right we
1: appreciate his work he's a good craftsman and also Hannibal is a nice you know small town and uh, you know they can use all the help they can get so we believed in what he was doing and uh, we showcased him and he sold quite a bit of pottery there people are always looking forward to going there and it's you know it's a win-win for everyone really
0: And then you took it to the next uh, level of this by creating your own uh, event, your own conference. So talk about that a little bit.
1: I mean, basically, you know, we're a brand now because of our reach and um, the the way that people kind of, I don't know, look up to us and value our opinion. Um, But we were traveling around quite a bit to all these functions. And. You know, some are on the East Coast, some are on the West Coast. It seemed to be that there was a lacking of something in the middle. So we're kind of positioned in the middle of the country. And again, it was just kind of a natural fit because, A, we could travel a little less, have people kind of come to us and hang out. Um, Plus, it was in the Midwest, so people that didn't have an appetite for traveling too far could make it to an event. And so we created the Homesteading Live Conference where people can come from all around. I actually uh, just had yesterday someone bought tickets from Walla Walla, Washington. And, uh, you know, we, they come from all over. It is amazing. And uh, so they'll all converge on this little town, Hannibal, Missouri, and it'll be great for the local economy. It'll be great for the people coming to the event because we have, um, we always enlist some really good speakers, uh, some doctors, some doctors and, um, natural and herbal medicine, some doctors in holistic veterinary and a uh, doctor in uh, body. And, you know, we've had, um, one of the leading, uh, EMO glyphosate, um, uh, scientists, uh, come to our event last year. Uh, we have Dr. Leo. Uh, he is a natural beekeeper. So we really try to stack our, um, you know, panel, I guess you would say, with some academia. And, you know, maybe just not some, you know, people that are on YouTube doing videos. We really want to try to provide top-notch information uh, for people who are starting out on this journey or who want to uh, maybe just improve what they're doing because there's always room for learning and advancing your skill set. So it's been working out really well. We have a lot of great sponsors uh, for that event. You know, and just another thing, um, not only just working with uh, the creator or the influencer, But also, like for us, it would be like sponsoring this event because we'll have people there from all over. Uh, They'll see you as a sponsor. That means that they're already registering that you're a like-minded company. And then that creates uh, more value for you. It shows that you're supporting the movement. And then the people get behind that. And then that's where they want to spend their dollars.
0: Yeah. So, Doug, as we're wrapping this thing up and come to the end, I'd like you to summarize a few tips uh, for our audience on working with influencers.
1: I guess if I would have uh, three bullet points um, for the advertiser to look at when deciding on the influencer that they want to work with would be, one, look at their social media. Are they interacting with their audience? Um, Are they passionate about what they're doing? Do you see them actively commenting and, and answering questions? Because that's going to provide way more value for the advertiser in the end. Because you'll basically have this silent salesperson there answering questions, walking them through the process, and really, that's you can't really even put a price on that. Uh, the second thing would be, yeah, not so much, <clears throat> excuse me, not so much the numbers of the influencer, but again, that influence, right? So there are smaller um, Maybe subscribe to channels or people with less following, but they're just as passionate and they can help move the needle um, on your advertising dollars just as well. So, size really doesn't matter that much. It's all about the interaction. I would also say that uh, when working with an influencer, you know, you'll have to um, kind of be flexible there's a lot of things in this realm of this new advertising age you know with the print dying and more influencers coming on board promoting products um you know to find out you know their core audience how are they going to display the products me and you i think really kept a good open line of communication when we were working together i think that's huge so if, if you're a an advertiser and you're reaching out to an influencer and it's taking them, you know, a week, two weeks, 10 days, a month to get back to you. Um, And that's repeatedly going on because, you know, that just would show that you might have a little bit of headache in the, in the relationship because, you know, they're not really getting back to you fast enough. I mean, I find the communication um, for us is a big thing. We work with companies and I'll be honest with you. Some of them have, really lousy communicators and that makes the relationship hard right off the bat we value that relationship so we really want to provide the most information if we have questions and we reach out you know to get an answer like five days later on something you know so just make sure you have good lines of communication open with your influencer that he's communicating with you and you're communicating with him and that will really help the relationship uh, prosper both ways and I guess the last thing, if I could say, um, with someone reaching out um, to work with an influencer, the it depends on the space. If if you're in a space like this homesteading space, I see sometimes um, a lot of uh, advertisers put all their eggs in one basket. So they'll just stand behind maybe that one guy who has a lot of people on um, his subscriber list or something, maybe a lot of views on his videos. And I I found that if you could get, four or five channels, maybe not as big, but you can reach four or five channels, then that would amplify your, you know, your megaphone, so to speak, fivefold, because then you'd have simultaneously, I think that's one of the big successes of the Logox. uh, When we started working with them, we encouraged them to bring on more influencers. And they started really reaching out and they had five or six basic commercials about their product going on at the same time over social media. And I think that really helped them grow. So we encouraged them to do that. They listened to what we said, and then they found that that was really producing good results for them. So all those things right there uh, would really enhance your relationship with uh, the creators and also provide more bang for your buck.
0: Thank you, Doug. Those are great tips, great summary here. And so that's a good way to end the episode today with those tips. So thank you.
1: Cool thanks everybody for listening
0: yeah yeah so to our audience you've been listening to the agency work podcast my guest today has been Doug from off-grid with Doug and Stacy we have been talking about working with influencers on marketing campaigns the importance of finding influencers who are authentic users of your products and the value of having partnerships with influencers who can explain why they endorse the products to learn more about Doug and his wife Stacy, go to YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram and search for "Off Grid with Doug and Stacy," and that's D O U G and S T A C Y. So, Off Grid with Doug and Stacy. Thank you, Doug.
1: Yeah, and thanks for having me on your show, Parker. We appreciate it, and we're enjoying your podcast uh, series helping uh, you know businesses and and uh, influencers connect.
0: Thanks. All right. And to our audience, thank you for listening. I will be back next week with a new guest, and I hope you will tune into that episode. This podcast was recorded at Red Amp Audio in Richmond, Virginia. This is Agency Works signing off.